Welcome back. This is a soft count. Whew, last night was ridiculous. Sorry if my voice is a little blown out. I was yelling all night long. <laughs> that was, it was a great night. What a great night. So we went on the early prelim card, we went three for three. Victor Altamirano got a first round knockout. That was slick. Kiori, uh, Kiori Long got a th- round three decision, kind of planned on that. And Amir Elbazi got the win. He was the plus like 500 favorite. On the early prelims, <clears throat> the first fight was uh, Angelosa, who we called. He got the win. The Sean Woodson Luis Saldana fight was strange. It ended up in a draw. <laughs> there was a point deducted from Luis Saldana, and then uh, he got he he was beating the shit out of Woodson, which was really shocking to me. Sean Woodson's been a dominant fighter at that weight class because he's really tall and big. But it was one of those Piotr Jan situations. Sean Woodson went down on a knee, and Luis Saldana kneed him in the face, deducted a point, ended up with a draw. By the way, draws are so uncommon in the UFC, it's insane. <laughs> there should have been two of them. The next fight was the Leonardo Santos-Jared Gordon fight. Round three decision, we called that one as well. The next fight was the one that was a huge underdog. Uh, Martian Tybora, who was a guy that I had mentioned before. It's like, he could win. You know, Alexander Romanoff was undefeated, but I liked Martian Tybora. I, don't, I typically don't even give you recommendations on that kind of odds i just tell everybody like put money on the underdog (laughs) it's like anytime i get a minus plus 400 i just put money on the underdog every time i don't know you know that's just the the game i play but uh tybura got the round three decision one rep so one judge rated a 28 29 for tybura and then it was 28 29 for romanov and then the lasket judge rated it 28 28 and then they gave it to tybura it was like i was just like what and apparently one of the judges that had the card like had a 10-8 round so they gave it to him it should have been a draw like I don't give a shit about the the final scores set a draw I don't know it was a weird fight Tyson Pedro Harry Hunsucker that shit was over quick Tyson knocked him out with a kick to the liver I mean that that's a that was brutal Uh, Lucy Padova Pudilova got a round two knockout that was pretty good this is a fight that I'm going to get in trouble for even talking about. However, I'm not actually sponsored by anyone, so it doesn't really matter. <clears throat> so I'll just tell you how I see it. Jose Aldo was plus 120 going into this fight. Stake.com has gotten very involved with UFC. Very involved. Some of their fighters are represented by uh, by Stake. You'll even see some fighters, like young up-and-coming fighters, if they get a win, they'll be like, hey, I just want to shout out to Stake. They're getting paid to say that. Jose Aldo had a deal on Stake.com where if you bet on him, you even if it's a split decision, you get your money back. If he, if he wins, it's triple winnings. All kinds of crazy shit. There was like, he's sponsored by Stake.com, by the way. He's the original sponsor guy. Another guy sponsored is Izzy Adesanya. There's all kinds of shit. This fight felt weird from the get-go. For one, Marab. Here's what I'll say to these guys, and I get it: Algermain, Marab, Khabib, fucking Islam. All these guys, they get that like wrestling's dominant. The problem for Marab 
and for any of these guys. You can win and still not make any goddamn money. Holding up a guy against the fence and kneeing his thigh for three rounds is like, I don't care if you won. You really lost because nobody likes you now. Nobody. It's not fun. In the end, this sport makes money because people watch it and it's entertaining. If you're winning like that, that's not entertaining. So even though you got another number next to your name, it wasn't entertaining. Second, afterwards, he says he has no interest in fighting his best friend, Aljermaine Sterling, who's the champion, and you guys are in the same weight division. And so it's like, well, now I really don't care about you. Like, you have no interesting storyline. You're the least interesting fighter I've seen in a really long time, really since Kamaru Usman. And he's the one that realized that he wasn't making any money fighting that way, and he started boxing. And he was knocking motherfuckers out. But for a while, he, he did what Marab did. He did it. To, he even did it in the first fight against uh, Masvidal. Like, you hold the guy up against the fence. You can't quite take him down, so you just push him against the fence, and then you knee his thighs for, for multiple rounds. It's like if at the end of the round you have, you know, 300 strikes and 270 of them are a knee to the thigh, like, nobody's going to care. I don't care that you won. You lost fans. The game is to make money. Ultimately, and Dana White knows the game. Everyone bitches about why does why does Connor keep getting a title shot whenever he decides to come back? Because the actual game is entertainment and making money, not wins and losses. The UFC learned that a long time ago. That's why guys like Jorge Masvidal with records that are like his, or even guys like Luke Rockhold, he's sixteen and six, and they let him fight because they understand that the record is secondary to the money. And if you bring in big money, you'll move up the ladder. It's why they, I mean, even Khabib, it's like he he at least became interesting. He didn't just hold you against the fence and knee you. He was a ground and pound expert, and he was a great submission artist. And so he was fun to watch. Holding people against the fence and kneeing their legs is not fun to watch at all. That being said, all of this I've just kind of brought up again. This fight, I noticed that Jose Otto barely threw anything. And everyone's like, well, he's worried about the takedown. And it's like, well, at some point, like, I've never seen him that worried. It just seemed, the whole fight just seemed like a fucking rigged mess to me. It looked, it was the ugliest, boringest. It was, it could have been, it was the same as that fucking, every now and then you see one of these things, man. And it's always people associated with fucking gambling sites. Same with, uh, Rose Namajunas, she's associated with my bookie, right? She's sponsored by them. And then she just had that fight recently where, like, she did nothing for an entire fight. And she's, like, super stoked to not be the champion anymore. She's, like, super rich. It just seems odd. There's, I'm not saying the whole fucking night's rigged. I'm saying that you can get to anybody. Watch these documentaries on sports, you know? Like, it wouldn't be hard to get to Jose Aldo or Rose Namajunas. I'm not saying the UFC's involved necessarily, but I'm just saying, like, money is. And some of these fights just don't look right. Jose Otto's never looked like that in his entire career. You can listen to, you know, fucking DC and Joe Rogan. I've never seen him like this. And it's like, yeah, no shit. No one has. And I'll, and for the first time ever, he was plus 124. And there was all kinds of crazy specials you could do on him. And then he just didn't throw any strikes the whole time. Call me a conspiracy theorist, whatever. I'm a gambler, so I see these things and I th- think about them. It's like... That fight didn't look right. The Rose Naman Hunis fight didn't look right. These fights don't look right. These are fighters, and all of a sudden they're just not fighting. It's like, what? Okay. 
tell you a fight that was not rigged, 100% not rigged, was the Paulo Costa-Luke Rockhold fight. Listen, if you're an NFL fan and you listen to my podcast just for NFL, I'm telling you right now, tune into the UFC. For one, the people that you watch in the NFL, they're at these UFC events. They're all around it. UFC, it's amazing. And if you haven't been to the actual events, it's the one last night was in a state in a, the stadium itself is incredible. I mean, everybody was right on top of the ring. It's a small arena in Utah and the top row was like looking over top of the ring. It looked incredible. Packed. There are some downfalls to this arena and it really popped up in this fight. And it made me wonder like who the fuck? I mean, I guess it's money in the end, but they're fighting they were fighting at a really high altitude last night. And this affected Luke Rockhold more than anyone because he's 37 years old. I got I to gotta preface everything with I love Paula Costa. He is fucking, he's probably, to me, is the most likable fighter in UFC. He's the most likable one. I, he's, he's just like, he shouldn't even be fighting for one. He should be a fucking male model. He is gorgeous. And he is violent and tough. It's like I've never seen a guy that pretty enjoy violence so much. Like, he is violent in the ring, and he seems so chill about it. And so the first round happened. They both come out. Paulo's cool as ice, and he just starts putting it on Luke early. He even takes him down, and everyone's always shocked. Like, I can't believe Paulo Costa's working him on the ground. I'm like, have you guys ever watched this guy fight? I get it. The last couple of fights, especially the one against Izzy, like, he didn't do anything. He was just kind of standing there, weird, another weird fight. But overall, I've seen him ground and pound the shit out of people. I've seen him just standing knockouts. He's just a great fighter. And his brother's a jiu-jitsu expert, and they work on their Brazilian jiu-jitsu all the time. I know he's good on the ground. He's good enough. But so last, he also slimmed down slightly. He's so jacked. But last night he looked trim. It didn't look like he struggled to make weight. And the pressure he put on Luke Rockhold in the first round was intense. At the end of the first round, Luke Rockhold was leaning over with his hands on his knees, which would be a regular occurrence through this fight. I've never seen it happen in my life. I've never seen this. Uh, I might. I, I, so Luke goes into the second round, and he's gassed. And part of that, there's a couple things that happened to Luke Rockhold. He got his nose broken in the first round. While he was on his back, he must have caught an elbow to the fucking face because his nose was smashed. And he had a hard time breathing with the mouth guard in. And so you kept seeing him drop the mouth guard down on top of his tongue and had his mouth open wide so he could breathe. Everyone's like, oh, he's gassed. And it's like, in the second round, I know he was like leaning over. He was gassed. But all of his strikes had violent power. And he still had these flurries he would throw. But he was trying to get air into his mouth, into his body, because he couldn't breathe, and the mouth guard was also blocking the airflow for him because he hasn't fought in three years. He probably didn't practice much with a mouth guard in, and he probably didn't spar a lot. He's one of these guys that's probably not into sparring. As I watch his training routine, in fact, I didn't see him sparring at all. And he talks about recuperation, recuperation. But anyway, he wasn't expecting to break his nose and not be able to breathe with a mouth guard in. So... Once he got his breath a little bit with that mouth guard, he had strikes. You could see it at the beginning of the second round. Everyone's like, oh, my God, he's gassed. Look at him. After he got the mouth guard out and he sat there for a second, he got up, and it's like he's not really gassed. I don't think he can breathe. And so he came out and had a really nice flurry of strikes at the beginning of the second round. It looked like he was faking being gassed the whole time. 
and then he kind of wore down again or wore down again and i think what you're seeing is like that mouth guard and him having a broken nose he just couldn't get air in and it wasn't even really that he was gassed or not trained or conditioned right it was like a new problem arose that he didn't foresee happening and so even into the third round his strikes had power his arms and shit and his body like he had some kicks that were violent in the fucking third round, he was so mad in that fight against Paulo Costa. Like, he took a punch in the face and he turned around and was like, and he was just, you could just see him go, fuck. And he turns around and yells, fuck you, and throws this hook and hits Paulo right in the fucking face and nearly knocks Paulo back. It was like, oh my God. And at one point, like, Paulo had him on his back. They're on the ground and Paulo's on his back. And Paulo's on his back and he's kind of laughing and he's like, you still think you're going to win. You can read his lips. He's at, and you can, and then Luke goes, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> it was, a, it, I mean, it was a fucking entire movie in one fight. Craziest fight. And then in the third round, the only thing Luke did is he, he, ta- he gets on top of Paulo in the, at the end of the third round and his nose is fucking destroyed. And he knows he's lost the fight, and Paolo's laying on his back, kind of smiling, and and Luke starts rubbing his bloody nose and face all over Paolo. I mean, you've never seen this much blood on a guy's face. Paolo stands up, and it looks like like when fucking Arnold stands up in the Predator covered in mud, he's covered in blood, right? Paolo's entire face, chest, and it's not his. It's Luke, and Luke did it on purpose, like rubbed it all over his face. And while Paolo's laying there, he's just – got the biggest smile on his face like i broke you mentally i broke you physically and i feel great and i I could fight longer <laughs> he became and, and then and i just it was amazing if that were me if i were paulo in that situation the fight wouldn't be over after what you did what you just did rubbing your blood all over my face like that the fight wouldn't be over now like they'd call the fight fucking you're gonna have to bring in the cops to stop me from killing you at that point but paulo's a different dude he just reveled in it, and they wiped it off. And he's like, "I'm the shit, you know. I'm the fucking king." He barely had anything to say on the fucking on the podium thing. He's just smiling, like he is the shit. I hated Luke Rockhold going into this fight. I still hate him, but I like him a tiny bit more. That was a courageous performance he put on. Um, he gave it everything he had. He put on a show. It was dramatic, his cussing and throwing crazy strikes. I mean, it was impressive. He had this one, like, double spinning roundhouse kick that was fuck. I was like, God damn, a guy his size, he's like 6'3". It was gorgeous. I was like, wow, he is really talented. But he's just old. He's 37. And when he just said, I'm fucking old, and he's sitting there and he goes, I fucking fold. You know, like, like I'm, I just, I'm done. And, and, and I just related to that. I'm like, God damn, I'm, I'm his age, and I just feel like I lose. No matter how hard I try, I just lose. That's my life in reality. Like, I totally related to Luke Rockhold for that moment where I'm like, man, I try so fucking hard. I'm 37. None of my careers have ever worked out. Nothing's really ever worked out for me, ever, and I try really fucking hard. And it's just like I give up. I fucking give up. <laughs> and I've, I fucking related to Luke Rockhold for a moment, and I'm like, I like you a little bit more. Okay. What a great fight. If you guys aren't watching UFC, you're missing out. That was one of the all-time... It wasn't like a great fight. It was a great watch. It was one of the most interesting, entertaining fights you'll see. 
it wasn't great like high quality fighting it was just dramatic it was like this storyline from start to finish and i told you guys all week this was my main event and it and it paid and it showed everything it gave you fucking everything and uh had a whole story arc had a guy retire at the end it was you know and at the end this was a guy that thought he's about to go on a I'm going to go get the belt. I'm coming back to get the belt. He fought once and was like, nope, I can't do it. It was it was sad and awesome and dramatic. It was a whole movie. Fantastic fight. Beautiful. The last fight was sweet, sweet music. Kamaru Usman's never been one of my favorite fighters. <clears throat> I just don't like his style. The last couple of fights, I thought he really raised his game. I was like, okay. I started getting on his train a little bit after he knocked out Masvidal. The first fight with Masvidal, I was like, this is why I can't stand Usman. And he just holds guys on the fence, stomps their feet. I'm just like, I can't. I get it. You're like Marab, where it's like, I just the W's all that matters. And it's like, it isn't. Trust me. Ask Connor. I'm not even saying he's got the best record. He doesn't. He's got the most money and the, and the most fame. And I'm not even saying you have to be like him. Paulo isn't like him. And Paulo Costa made tons of fans last night happy and he didn't fucking shit on anybody or cuss anybody out or act like an insane person he was just fucking smiling holding his arms up I'm the king you know like it's not even and he's a superstar because he puts on a show if you put on a show you can be Nate Landwehr and at the mic just be like yeah fuck yeah and everyone's like fuck yeah like you don't have to you don't have to be Connor on the mic. You just have to be Connor in the ring when he was on top. Like, all you got to do is go in there and kick ass. And when you go in there and you're boring, I don't care how many wins you have. And so that's where I've always been with Kamaru Usman. I don't care how many wins he has. He's got a couple great performances, but a lot of boring fights. Leon Edwards doesn't put on a boring fight. I really thought there's a small chance for him to win. I didn't really think Leon Edwards could beat Kamaru Usman. I didn't. Because Kamaro, I just always thought, Kamaro can just always go back on his wrestling. But he has learned that he's not making money doing that. And so he's changed his game where he's trying to be more entertaining. And it paid, it did, it, he paid the price last night. Uh, he, he went into the fifth round and he was winning the fight. I would say Kamaro Usman was dominating the fight for five rounds. Now, Leon Edwards was setting something up similar to what we saw with Javante Davis and the Roley fight. Javante was setting up a counter right hook the whole night, the whole fucking night long. Leon was setting up something else, but it, the same idea where I just need to land this thing one time. And so he was doing this lead jab, one-two strike with this straight. So he's a southpaw. For those of you that didn't watch the fight or don't know Leon, he's left-handed. And so his... His fucking, he was throwing this little one two strike all night long, trying to set up this fucking kick to the side of his head. So Usman was basically, you know, slipping, slipping both, you know, dodging the jab, slipping the straight, or slipping the jab, dodging the straight every time, every time. And he, and Leon wasn't really landing it, but at one point, so he goes, he, you know, throws the jab, you know, faints the straight. And as Usman goes down to dodge the straight, he threw a left kick to the head that sent him to the afterworld. I didn't see Kamara Usman again the rest of the night. 
they said he just went right to the hospital. Most fighters go right to the hospital afterwards, but it was like, holy shit. You just fell for it one time. That's all it took. One time. These guys are going to fight again. And it's going to be another, you know, Usman will probably go back to the first fight. Like, I'm just going to wrestle this dude. It'll be boring, and and he'll probably win. But Leon Edwards is going to fight Ore Masvidal first in England. They'll be in in London. They'll fight, and then he'll defend his belt once. And then Kamara Usman is going to get a shot at the title again. They'll have a rematch. Kamara won't have to fight anybody else first. He'll fight Leon Edwards next. But Leon will have a fight in between Kamara. He's going to fight Jorge Masvidal. And then he's going to fight Kamara Usman. He'll beat the shit out of Masvidal and retire that dude. And then he'll he'll fight Kamara Usman. And Usman will probably go back to the old ways where he's like, I'm going to hold this guy against the fence and stomp his feet to a win. In which case, nobody will care about him, even if he wins. It'll be, it'll be a boring fight. Overall, what a fucking awesome night. It was awesome. Getting ready to watch this Browns game. I guess it's already on. I'm going to check it out. I've been watching some of the preseason games. The preseason, the first week, was really exciting. I lost a little of its luster this week. I was, like, ready for the – I'm ready for NFL now. Like, I don't care about the rest of the preseason. First week was fun, man. People were talking about it. It was, like, all exciting and shit. Well, I'll say this. I'll say this. Let's Let's talk a little bit about something I saw last night. Kenny Pickett is clearly the starting quarterback for the Steelers, right? You can't start Mitch Trubisky. You gotta start. You gotta start Kenny Pickett. He he might have, and I was talking to my buddy about this. <clears throat> he might have a stronger arm than Joe Burrow. I'm not saying a better arm. I'm not saying he's gonna be Joe Burrow better than Joe Burrow. None of that. I'm just saying when I watched him throw the ball, he has zip on these balls. And you you think a guy with like gloves on wouldn't. You're like, ah, he's wearing gloves. He's probably doesn't have a strong arm. But when you look at his arms, he's jacked. And he throws darts. I mean, they're they're they've got heat on him. I was really surprised. He's got a he's got a very solid traditional throwing motion, which is all I want. He pulls the ball back 90 degree angle, throws it right into his left pocket every time. No weird hitch. The only weird thing about him is he's got fucking gloves on. And I guess I can argue it's like, all right, so did Kurt Warner. Hell, so did Peyton Manning. But Peyton was bad. He wore a glove because he couldn't feel anything. So, they're, they're, you know, whatever. He's he's To me, Mitch, uh, Kenny Pickett has proven I'm the starter. If you start anybody else, it's because you're being stubborn and old-fashioned like Hugh Jackson. Hugh should have started Baker Mayfield day one. But he was being old-fashioned, and it got him fired. Mike Tomlin won't get fired, but it's like, just start him. Don't don't be a dipshit. This is a clear as day. This guy's the starter. And George Pickens better be out there day one, too. Like, why the fuck not? What, what are you guys waiting on? This is not 1995 anymore. It, you know, it's not the 80s. It's not even the early 2000s. Most of you don't even realize the kind of football that was being played in 2005. Like, most of you that listen to this podcast right now are probably around my age, I'd imagine. And so our perception of time is really strange. But when you think about 2005, if you were to watch a a footage of a football game, even their pads are giant. And you're like, oh, my God, what? It's like, yeah, dude, 2005 footage looks like that. And you're like, oh, my God. And, yeah, they played football like that. Eye formation in 2005. Almost every play. Like, there was only a few teams that were in the shotgun. Tom Brady didn't start getting in the shotgun until, like, fucking 2008. <laughs> you know, like 2010. Like, these, it's it's such a strange 
not really sure where I was going with that. I'm stoned to the bone. <laughs> it's a good morning. Sunday morning. I was up late watching the fights. What a great day. I'm going to watch these football games here. I'll let you guys know how it goes. Talk to you all tomorrow. Probably have a pod in after I watch all these preseason games. I got a couple of bets in, you know. My new favorite bet in the preseason right now, and if you guys are interested in something like this, the I like the draw at like halftime and then a team wins in the second half or one team's winning in the first half this team wins in the second half the preseason is really crazy because some third stringers will be playing at the end of the game and be playing well there's been a bunch of over on points and not very many unders something to look at so yeah send me a dm let me know what you guys think of the fights Got some, uh, got an open house for a $1.5 million house this week. Got some work to do. Got to sell this fucking thing. So, uh, yeah. Talk to you guys soon. Hit the like, hit the follow, shoot me a message. If you hate me, let me know and I'll read it out loud. Talk to you guys soon. Later.